Well, good morning. All right, good. Uh, today's a good day. Do you know why? Well, I'll tell you here in a second. Hey, if you don't know me, my name's JT. I see a couple new fit faces. I'm one of the pastors here. Typically, I'm the kind of the preaching pastor, um, but we got multiple people that teach and preach now. Um, I'm not today, and that's one of the reasons this is such a good day, but I'll get to that in a second. One, uh, the re- one reason I'm excited is we're finishing Gospel-Centered Family today, and that's not the reason I'm exciting. This was a good series. I'm really excited about the sermon today. But ne- do you know what next week is? It's our seven-year anniversary. Isn't that crazy? So, yeah, you can, play, you can clap. I'm excited about it. Um, I can't believe it's been seven years. And, and for some of us in the room, like the trochee sitting in the back, it's been really eight years because there's a, there a year of planning for what this thing was going to be and building our core group. So I just can't believe I've, I've been a pastor of this church basically for eight years. That is insanity. Um, but if you're new to Freshwater, welcome. Um, we're not a church plant anymore. We're a grown-up full church. I don't know if you realize this, but we actually became, a, became an official part of the Greene County Baptist Association this week, right? You're, you're in a Baptist church if you didn't know it. <laughs> Sorry, right? Because, you know, tr- tr- traditionally we're not very Baptist, but what we believe is very Baptist. And so sometimes people don't realize we don't care that much about denominations. We care about Jesus Christ and that we're his church. Denominations aren't that important, but I tell you, the Greene County Baptist Association here in town, like the Southern Baptists get a bad rap and all that stuff. They do a lot of good, but the Baptist Association here in Greene County is one of the best out there. They're so supportive. They've been supportive of us. I can't tell you how many times the president, Mike Haynes, has come to our church or met with some of our leaders and really encouraged us and walked us through things. Been such an encouragement to us. Um, And so... uh, if you didn't know we're part we're now officially this week I went to the meeting they accepted us in right it was there was never any, any doubt they love what we do here and we love them and so um, that, that's been a big week this week and so a lot of cool things happening next year's our seven year anniversary um, but one of the most exciting things we have today is Jake and Laura Miller are here so you guys just want to come on up I'm going to let them introduce themselves a little bit. Well, not, no, I'm going to do it. Um, for those of you that are newer to Freshwater, Jake and Laura were longtime members of Freshwater. Jake was one of our pastors. Laura helped lead women's ministry, crazy involved. And they left because they felt God was calling them to help grow the church, build the church, and the community that Jake is from, Pleasant Hope. And so what it ended up leading to is we, we helped them and supported them and prayed for them in planting a church in Pleasant Hope. And I asked him today to come and just give us an update, right? We want to we support them. We want to know what's going on. For those of you that are newer, we want you to feel like you're a part of this thing too um, because we're, we're behind them all the way and God is doing some really cool things. And so I asked them um, to come up and share for about 10 minutes. Jake. Okay. He's a pastor like me. Somebody tells me 10 minutes if I'm not careful. I go, huh? I said five. So he can make it to 10. Uh, but what's really, yeah. But what's really cool about that um, is if you're a member, and I hate for those of you that are not members, we love you. We're so thankful that you're here. But we're going to have a much longer members meeting, um, and he's going to walk through a lot more in a lot more detail for about 30 to 45 minutes um, after service. We're having a members meeting. So if you're a member, um, please stick around after the service um, so uh, Jake, and, Jake and Laura can kind of walk you through in much more detail and um, ways that we can really partner and support them in ways moving forward. But um, I could keep talking about these two all day because I love them to death. My family, just they're just awesome, um, but I'll let them talk. So here you go. All right, thank you. Um, so I have to have this with me. It's my fourth cup of coffee for the day, and if I quit drinking it, my mouth will completely dry up. So I have to have this. Um, so I apologize for that. But yeah, JT wanted this just to kind of share just a really brief version of our story, and then we'll, 
We'll get into it more later. Um, you're welcome to talk, but she doesn't usually want to, but let me know if something changes. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, you know, our story is really about God's purpose. Uh, and I was just sitting there thinking about that as we talk about seven year you know, anniversary for Freshwater. We came in pretty early, but not at the very beginning. I think it was six months, maybe to a year in or so, sometime in there. Um, and the Lord orchestrated a meeting between JT and I. Like I literally was going there with, with uh, you know, thinking about meeting a pastor. I had this guy in mind. I knew we were moving up to, uh, back to Pleasant Hope to the north. Didn't know who JT was at all. And the Lord was just like, nope, not that guy, this guy. And uh, maybe I'll tell you that full story later. Um, but very much uh, was according to his purposes uh, that the Lord brought us together. And uh, that was really for the purpose of teaching me how to be a pastor and teaching her how to be a pastor's wife. I think we, we're uh, terribly indebted to you all for that opportunity that you gave us to learn and grow. I'd been in leadership roles in the church, but that was the first time that I'd been a pastor. Uh, so I learned a ton uh, from JT uh, in that time. I know that she learned from Christy. Uh, I learned many things from you all, um, Denny as well. Uh, whenever I was here. But, uh, you know, the Lord had put a calling to Pleasant Hope in my heart, and I grew up there, and I was, it was like a prodigal son type thing. When I left, I wasn't coming back. You know, I was like, I was happy to leave. I was happy to go. Um, but, you know, pretty early on when JT and I were talking, I told him, I said, you know, I do, I know that at some point in the future, I'm, I'm going to be doing ministry in Pleasant Hope. We're going to be doing ministry in Pleasant Hope. I don't know when that is. It might be five years from now. It might be 10 years from now. But at some point, I know the Lord has put that on my heart. And I told him that, and, uh, you know, it turned out it was about five years, and he was like, okay, it's time. Um, and I remember that happened when JT and I went to Together for the Gospel. Uh, we heard one of the best sermons of our life there, and it just really, it really shook us both to our core. And JT's heart was immediately turned towards you, and my heart was immediately turned towards Pleasant Hope. And, and, I, and I made a comment about that. I didn't even think about it. I just made a comment about Pleasant Hope walking out of there, and JT was like, what? You know, and rightfully so, because I was pastoring in Springfield. Uh, but, you know, it's the Lord turned my heart, and it was according to his purposes. All of those things just happened. He had a plan in mind from the beginning, and really, um, part of his purposes was this, the fact that Pleasant Hope is kind of a rural version of Tom Watkins of North Springfield. And so the vision that I captured listening to JT speak here was the vision that I just took out there uh, because it's a very similar vision with a desire to heart to be in the community on mission, uh, to be gospel-centered, uh, to build a community center and provide uh, things for people that they're not able to provide for themselves, uh, to kind of, you know, just use that building as, an, as a, a nexus point to kind of breathe life into a community. Uh, so I took that vision and just, uh, you know, kind of went out to Pleasant Hope with it. Uh, you know, and we, when we left, uh, the Lord, he, he put that calling on, on my heart specifically. I talked to her about it, and the Lord has, she could tell you a story about how he gradually changed her heart towards all of that. Um, it, was, it was a mighty move, let me say, but it was gradual. <clears throat> But, you know, uh, I, I knew it was time. We went out and we joined kind of an outreach ministry. We didn't start off by planting a church. We joined an outreach ministry out there. As that kind of ran its course, um, we kind of were left in a position where like, okay, you know, what are we going to do now? Um, and I talked to JT about it, and we just decided to plant a church. And so that's what we did. We planted a church that was about a year and a half ago. Um, it's called Shepherd's Way Church. And um, this whole story on the name, too, I'll spare you time-wise. But, but um, you know, we're, we're out there, and we are really carrying all of our, the love and our experiences and the connections and the strength that we uh, were, you know, that we really got from you all. And we've taken that out there, and now we're leading in that way. 
Um, so we're really indebted to you for that and for your continued support, uh, 100%. We're, we continue to be indebted to you as we, we move forward. But we've been out there for about a year and a half. There have been plenty of challenges, as there are with any church plant. Anybody that's ever planted a church has lots of stories. I've got lots of stories. She has lots of stories. Uh, but the Lord has been good to us. And one of the best ways that he has been good to us is the people he has brought us. They've been phenomenal. It's like freshwater people, but in Pleasant Hope. And so <clears throat> the people have just been phenomenal that he's brought us. And we've just been in a season of building up uh, the church and preparing to move forward and engaging at the same time, uh, building inroads in the communities with the schools, uh, with other churches. We've worked on those things with uh, just the community in general, the lost. Um, addiction recovery is on our hearts. We have plans for that. Uh, I've been discipling a guy that I met in the Polk County Jail. I've been discipling him online uh, for about the last year, and he's getting ready to get out, actually. He wants to come back, and he wants to be on a leadership team for addiction recovery ministry. So he's going to move back out there towards uh, either in or towards Pleasant Hope eventually, and wants to do ministry with us. Um, so the Lord has just been moving. He's been doing the same thing for us here with lots of other people, just kind of weaving them in as the grand weaver into the narrative and the story that he's writing out there. So um, we're grateful to get to share that with you guys. I wish we had more opportunities to do it, JT and I. We meet fairly regularly, not as regular as we want because we're both insanely busy as you all are. Uh, but he, you know, we still meet, we still do lunch. Um, I still get to run things by him. I still uh, depend greatly on his leadership and his wisdom as you know, I'm making decisions that he's already had the experience of walking through. So it's just been a tremendous process. We're grateful for that, grateful for the opportunity to get to share uh, more of that story with you guys later. And uh, we love you guys, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Do you want to? Um, yeah, so everything he said is spot on, but I was just thinking, I would love to share a couple ways you guys can pray for us. Um, so we recently have transitioned into, we're doing um, corporate worship twice a month and house church twice a month. Um, and we're really excited about that. So if you would pray for, one, just the unity amongst our body, specifically as we make that transition, um, we're really hopeful that it's really going to help us to go deep with each other. Um, just because we really haven't had that chance, as crazy as that sounds, we all came from different places. And so it was really starting over with just brand new relationships across the board. And so we're really hoping to really solidify that family feel, which Freshwater is so great at. Um, but we really hope that the house church will do that. And then also, just pray for a unity of God's body throughout Pleasant Hope. Um, that's one thing, even when we came in just with the outreach ministry, and I know we've seen it happen in Springfield, where Christians across the board, around the, the community are uniting. And that is just one thing that's been on our heart from the very beginning. Um, and we've just seen challenges in that area, um, but that is still something I think we would just absolutely love to see because there are like five or six or seven churches in a very small community and man what the Lord could do if we just all were working united um, to reach the community so that's it thank you guys yeah we've had quite a few conversations I love that you shared that that they're doing Two, two Sundays corporate, two Sundays house churches, and dividing up into basically big life groups, but focused a little bit more on teaching than what our typical life groups would be. I, I love that idea, especially for a church plant. And I think the first week, didn't you have like close to 70 adults for house church? We had 30 people in our house. 
Yeah, I mean, in Pleasant Hope, it's just amazing the things that God's doing. And so um, before you guys get off the stage, and I want you to stay afterwards, you're important too, but you'll know why here in a second. <laughs> you'll know why, you're especially important, but you'll know why here in a second. So I want to pray for them before you guys go um, and sit down, and then we got some more good news coming. Heavenly Father, we are tremendously grateful. Grateful for their story, grateful for what you've done through your church, grateful that um, men like me and Jake who really didn't know what they were doing and, and on our wives who if they were honest didn't really know what they were doing either we all just said yes and just said we'll follow you and we'll go where you lead that song today was so, was so appropriate today Lord we'll go where, wherever you lead us God we just said yes and you have blessed that and you have been with us and you've guided us and you've given us more than we could have ever prayed for and so God I pray that for Shepherd's Way that Jake and Laura are constantly having conversations in their leadership team, and Jake and I are having conversations. But God, we want you to do more than what we can pray for because you're God and we're not. And so God, I pray that you would grow the church, but grow the church in the way that, that it needs to grow. Not necessarily with people, which they want more people, but God, that there be such spiritual growth in their church, among their people, people becoming so like you, Jesus, that it would spill out of them and change that community. That it wouldn't just be the lost coming to know you, which we want, just not, not just people coming out of addiction, that, but we definitely desperately want that too, but that the church would come together as the bride of Christ. God, that you would just annihilate that competitive spirit between the churches and that they would come together so they could see you glorified and the lost reached. And then God, I'd also um, just very specifically pray for Jake and Laura and their marriage and family, that you protect it, that you would guard it, that you would... Um, yeah, that you continue to, to bring complete unity in their marriage and in their family, and through that, that um, they would feel empowered and strong to lead in the way that you've called them to lead. God, thank you that we get to be a part of this. Thank you that we get to see you work among us every single week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Jake, you stay here. Tony, you come up. Um, another reason I'm excited today is um, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the way we do things here, we, we have elders at Freshwater. And if that elder word sounds weird, sometimes people think that sounds like a cult, right? It's not a cult. Um, in, in the Bible, elder, pastor, overseer, shepherd, it's really kind of all the same Greek word, and it just means pastor, right? And we believe strongly from the example left in Scripture that, that the, the examples we see of all the churches Paul planted in it, that there's not just one person in charge, right? There's a team of elders that work together. Um, so I may be the, the one that typically teaches from the front, but Denny's one of our pastors and Brandon one of our pastors and when we sit down to make decisions together and we pray together um, we all make the decision together everybody gets a vote I can get outvoted just as easily as anybody else just because I, I was the, the, the planting pastor doesn't mean much right um, God's given me the responsibility to teach and lead but we are a team of pastors and so we always want to be training up other pastors and Jake Jake very kindly said he learned a lot from me but we learned a lot together during that process because technically I trained him up to be an elder um, and we made a lot of mistakes in that process along the way and we learned a lot um, and so now if anybody comes to me and they say you know I think someday I'd like to be a pastor I'd like to teach I, I immediately bring them into my circle one of my responsibilities as as an elder um, every elder has different responsibilities one of mine is to train up um, future elders for our church and so about two years ago, we got really serious about that process. We have it on paper, what we walk through, the things that we do together. And it's been about two years, hasn't it? Has it been that long, a year and a half, that we've been walking together? We were still at uh, the family center, so. It's been a while. It's been a while. And so Tony <laughs> shared that with me a while ago. And we've been walking through that process ever since. And that might be walking through scripture together. That might be sitting down with him and his wife and talking about the qualifications of an elder. Because if a wife says, I don't think my husband's qualified to be an elder, 
I'll just tell you right now, he's not going to be an elder, right, until we work through that. Um, and so there's a lot of different things that we walk through. And one of the things that we do is we teach him to preach, right? He wants to teach. That's one of the hallmarks of being a pastor is the ability to teach God's word. And so Tony's been through our preaching symposiums multiple times, three times or four times? Four. Four times. Yes. Um, and just so humble. And today's a big day because today's going to be the first time he preaches in front of the church. Um, that's a big deal, church. <laughs> and so uh, you nervous? Oh, absolutely. You know, scripturally, it's a huge responsibility to stand up and proclaim. This is not just teaching, right? This is, God's given us the responsibility to lead other people to him, and he's going to hold us accountable to that, and so not to make you too, too nervous today. No, no, that's all good. Um, but one of the, what's really cool about this, and I didn't plan this today, is Jake has been one of those guys that's been pouring into Tony for years now, and I've been pouring into Tony for years now, and another guy who I'm going to ask to come up right now, Brandon, get up here. Brandon's another guy that's, we've all been pouring into Tony. We've all been discipling him. We've all been walking through things with him and his wife and his now growing family. Um, it's, it's a really big deal and we want it to be a big deal. And so we want to pray over Tony today. Um, this is the first time. Um, Tony just now started attending elders meetings with us. He's just an observer, right? Tony's not going to be an elder in the next two weeks. We'll bring that before the church. But he's just now started attending the elders meetings, observing, learning, growing. He's, he's going through the process step by step with such humility and such patience because as young guys, sometimes we think we know everything and we just want to go, right? But we want to make sure we do this slowly because the, the Lord works slowly. The Lord, Lord works through patience. And so we want to pray for you before we, we start today because this is a big step. So I'm, I'm going to ask Jake, will you pray for him? Lord, we're just grateful for this opportunity uh, to see the seeds that you have planted inside uh, Tony's heart and his mind just continue to grow. And we thank you for the process that us three and other men uh, certainly uh, a great man whom I uh, tremendously respect, Tony's father, Dave, um, just to pour into his life, just to pour our lives out into his life, to walk a, alongside him as he learns and lives and loves and grows. And we're grateful for that opportunity uh, to get to know him, to get to know Tori, their children, uh, the blessings that they are. And so, uh, Lord, we just continue as men who stand before you to raise up our hands to you and pray that you would just continue to bless and to keep this family. And that you would, uh, in this moment, as Tony moves forward and takes that next step to lead, to accept responsibility for the calling you have placed on his life, Lord. We just pray that you would calm his nerves, and that you would put his confidence in your word where it should be centered. Lord, and just by your spirit, lead him as he speaks forth that word uh, to this church body. We just thank you for the blessing that he is and that Tori is and that their family, their children, everyone, all of them are, their household, on our lives and on this church. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Freshwater. So before I begin, I have here in my hand... Three sermons. First sermon is a $100 sermon. It lasts about five minutes. The second sermon is a $50 sermon. It goes in between 15 and 25 minutes. And the third sermon is a $20, $20 sermon, and it's going to last a full hour. So now we're going to take up a quick collection and then find out which one I preach. All right, if you all would, just please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you... Um, 
so thankful that you are faithful and that you are true. Lord, I thank you for your word and the truth that we can constantly find in it. And I thank you that it's a living word from a living God. Lord, I pray today that, one, you would calm my nerves so that I can speak with boldness and with truth and with clarity. Um, and secondly, Lord, I, I pray that you would just keep me humble because I may be the one up here preaching, but the reality is this truth is just as applicable to my life as it is to all of us. I pray that we would just hear what you have to teach us today. Lord, I thank you again for this opportunity, and I pray that through this process, Lord, you would be glorified. In your name, amen. Sorry, i got to get situated here a little bit, and I'm not used to all of this uh, stuff. Okay, here we go. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we've been going through this gospel-centered family or a Christ-centered family. Uh, as we've been navigating through this series, we've talked about biblical manhood that we are to protect and to keep. We've talked about biblical womanhood and how you're a helper and that being a helper by no means uh, is a lesser p position or uh, thing to help us or help in the, in the family of God. And we, we've talked about biblical singleness and how Paul in his heart just longs for everyone to be single simply for the purpose of being able to focus solely on the gospel. We've talked about um, the biblical husbands and, and biblical women or biblical wives and biblical uh, parenting and, and what, what we've walked through scripture to see all of those things. Today we're going to be talking about spiritual fathers and mothers. And we're going to navigate through Scripture to see what it has to teach us today. As I thought about this topic, I, I thought spiritual fathers, mothers, okay, what does that look like? And as I continued to pray and think on this topic, I came to the conclusion that spiritual fathers and mothers are simply people who disciple. And through that, uh, I want you to know that I have labored over this message. I have labored through both Scripture and through prayer, um, specifically asking the question, what is discipleship? So if you would, please turn with me. We're going to be spending our time in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, and then secondly in Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29, specifically in that second set of verses, but we'll go ahead and... Uh, read those passages, but before we do that, or as you're turning, I guess, I'm going to go ahead and just give you a quick overview of the book. So Paul is the author of this book. He's writing to, or he's writing during his imprisonment in Rome, and it was written around the same time as the book of Philemon and the book of Ephesians. The theme of the book of Colossians is that Christ is Lord over all creation, including the invisible realm. He has redeemed his people, enabling them to participate in his death, his resurrection, and his fullness. It is on this foundational theme of the book of Colossians that Paul gives direction to the church of Colossae of his heart for them to reach spiritual maturity. And as we read this letter, there are 
definite guidelines or principles that we can apply to our lives today as we engage in relationship with one another, specifically in discipleship. So if you would, just we're going to go ahead and read Colossians 1, 9 through 14 right now. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in his inheritance of the saints, in light, or saints in light, that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Church, discipleship is about proclaiming Christ while pursuing wisdom, to be presented mature in Christ, persevering with the power of him in us. Now, before all you note-takers go crazy trying to write that down, um, just stick with me, and we're going to work through it together. Let's go ahead and jump to Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. Again, church, discipleship is about proclaiming Christ while pursuing wisdom to be presented mature in Christ, persevering with the power of him in us. Now let's go ahead and just actually break this passage down and walk through it together and pull out principles of discipleship that we can apply today. First and foremost, what is the heart of discipleship? Colossians 1, 28 says, Him we proclaim. Discipleship is about proclaiming Christ, to make much of his name. That the Son of God became a man, that he was our perfect substitute sacrifice, dying on the cross, paying our debt that was owed because of sin. That he died and then rose again on that third day, conquering the power of sin and death over our lives that he is now seated in the heavenlies at his Father's right hand with all authority in heaven and on earth given to him. And we who believe in Christ are found in him. We identify with him in his death that in that death we have been removed from our identity with Adam and that, that, uh, that legal obligation with that covenant in Adam we have been freed from. And now we've been given new life, a new covenant, and in that, it is freedom. It is hope. And we can walk in that hope. It is, not, it is based off of Christ's righteousness for us, not our human attempts of righteousness anymore, because we are identified not only in his death, but also his resurrection. This is the heartbeat of discipleship, or at least this is what it should be that we proclaim Christ, that we proclaim this gospel, that as a biblical man, a biblical woman, whether you're married, a wife, a husband, or a parent, that you proclaim Christ to men and women all around, to children all around, to make much of his name. The heart of discipleship 
is to proclaim Christ. Let's continue in Colossians. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. We see a lot of instruction and a lot of examples of discipleship, but here in this passage, Paul gives us a couple really basic guidelines. In a discipleship relationship, we must teach and we must warn. In our teaching, um, it's about modeling the life of Christ and what it looks like to engage in His Word, to seek His Word in wisdom, or to seek His Word for wisdom in how we live lives that glorify Him. And whether you're the discipler modeling that life or the disciplee learning how to model that life, that's what the teaching is. It's about teaching people how to walk a life that glorifies God and bringing people up to maturity in that. And then we have the second where he says, and warning everyone. Warning is simply that. It's pointing out areas in people's lives that are either danger or immaturity or things that need to just be pointed out for the purpose of bringing one another back into what Scripture teaches us and how to live. If we go to... Uh, 2 Timothy 3.10. I'm just going to read this verse. You guys don't need to turn there. But it says, But you know what I teach, Timothy, and how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith and how long I have suffered. You know my love and my patient endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about the, how I was persecuted in. And he goes on. But in this little passage, we see that teaching is not discipleship. But teaching always, in, or discipleship always involves teaching. He goes, but you know what I teach, Timothy. And then we see that discipleship is not only what I teach, but also what I live. But you know what I teach, Timothy, and what I live. And we see that discipleship is not only what I teach and live, but it's also what gives me purpose in life. But you know what I teach, Timothy. You know how I live and what my purpose in life is. And then we see Paul say three separate times, you know, which indicates that they're doing life together. A quick illustration that really helped me kind of grasp this concept, the, there's three things that discipleship must involve in this teaching and warning aspect. And it, it needs transparency, it needs vulnerability, and it needs accountability. And the illustration is a window. A window is transparent. You can see through a window. But it doesn't allow people to be engaged in your life. It just allows people to see what you want them to. Accountability on that is an open door. It allows people into your house to see the closed doors, to see the hidden messes. Or that's the vulnerability. And the accountability is when somebody walks through that door and says, this needs cleaned up, that needs reorganized. And discipleship, it says, let's do this together. Let's continue on in Colossians. The heart of discipleship, him we proclaim, the means of discipleship, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom. What Paul says next, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The goal of discipleship. The goal is to make disciples that make disciples. 
intentionally investing in younger believers, not necessarily by age, but by maturity in Christ, and walking through life with them, shepherding them to be a mature believer. In Scripture, we see many correlations between discipleship and parenting. I'm now a father of two beautiful children, and they're giving me gray hairs on my beard, but I love them dearly. It's not head hair, obviously, right? Um, but I'll take my son, for example, okay? When he was born, he was fully dependent on my wife to get him the nutrition he needed. If it wasn't for her, my son would not be doing as well as he's doing now. He's a healthy boy. But for that first section of life, he was fully dependent on Tori to, to get him the nutrition that he needed to stay alive. As time progressed, we were like, oh, he's, he's staring at us and drooling at the food we're eating. Let's let him try a little bit. And so we put a little bit of food on his plate, a little applesauce or prune, I don't know, sauce, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we'd give it to him and allow him to try to experience feeding himself. And it was messy, and food got everywhere from his hair to his diaper to the floor. I mean, it was all over the place. But he was attempting to feed himself. And we'd still have to feed him after to make sure that he got the nutrition he needed. But we allowed him that process. And it caused a lot of cleaning, and, and everything was involved. It was a very involved process, but it was teaching him how to start feeding himself. My son is two now. He still is fully dependent on me or Tori to make him a meal, but he can now grab that meal, and it's still a little messy, but he can grab that sandwich, and he can put it in his mouth, and he can pick through it and find the stuff he wants to eat. You know, like, like it's a, been a process. And one day, I, I hope to be able to teach my son how to grill a steak all by himself, cook it up, bring it inside, and eat it all by himself, because that's what the maturity of growth looks like. And also... In that aspect of growth, we've had to teach Hudson things that are dangerous. We've had, to, we've had to tell him, Hudson, don't touch the mean bug, which is a wasp. He's, very, he's a young boy, and he really is engaged with the bugs and the little things. But we have to tell him constantly, don't touch this bug. It's an ouchie. Well, he never really understood that. He just said, Mom and Dad are being Mom and Dad and tell me no again. And the other day, Tori and I were sitting out on our front lawn in our lawn chairs like old people, just talking and enjoying the quiet evening, and Hudson's running around like his little wild self, and he ran off around back of the house, so I, I leaned out of my chair and said, hey, Hudson, come back where Daddy can see you. And he ignored me, and we are like, okay, well, I guess I'll get up, give him a couple minutes, I'll go back and, and get him. And then all of a sudden, we heard this blood-curdling scream. So Tori and I get up and we go tearing around the house and she goes and scoops him up. He's, he's still screaming bloody murder and, and I'm kicking in the grass making sure that I don't see a snake because growing up as an MK, that was my fear. You know, like, oh crap, a snake just bit my son. He's going to die. You know, like that was what was going through my head. And, and so I, I didn't see anything. I, I looked at him. I said, hey, Hudson, daddy needs to see your hand right now. Show me your hand. And he's like, daddy, ouchie. And he shows me his hand. I saw just the one little red spot of a sting. I said, okay. So I went in and I treated it, you know, got him calmed down. I said, Hudson, that's why Daddy tells you not to touch the stingy bugs. Touch the mean bugs because they're ouchy. He goes, yeah, Daddy, it sting me. I smash it, <laughs> which was great. But 
Nonetheless, that's the warning aspect of discipleship. That's the presenting him mature. I want to teach my son to avoid the things that are dangerous and to engage in the things that will bring him growth and nutrition. I want to teach my son to be a man. At the age of 15, my son better not be asking me to change his diaper unless medically necessary. My son better not be screaming at me because he wants food or because he wants to watch a movie. I allow that now because my son is still growing and still learning. But he better not be that. And yet so often, church, this is what we do when it comes to discipleship. We go, here, this is the gospel. Isn't that awesome? Okay, have fun. I'm going to go, I got to go do this to other people too. And we see a bunch of baby Christians just around going, huh, and I guess... Sure, it's cool, I'm saved, but I'll live the way I want to live. Instead of having people engaging in our life, saying, this is what discipleship is. This is the gospel message. This is how it changes your life, and this is how to walk it out. Now let's do this together. It's, it's engaged. It's not necessarily always fun, but it's totally worth it. Let's continue in Colossians. We see... Paul, the heart of discipleship is proclaiming Christ. We see the means of discipleship is teaching and warning. We see that the goal of discipleship is to present everyone mature in Christ. Let's continue in Colossians. He says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling. Stop there. The discipleship is purposeful, rewarding, and at times even fun. We see Paul use some very strong language right here. In both passages, we see him talk about toil, the struggle, the patient endurance, the suffering. And he does this intentionally. That's because discipleship is going to take effort. It's going to take that patient endurance. It's going to take exhaustion and at times even sorrow. I'm going to use another father-son example, but it's not between me as the father and my son. It's between me as the son and my father. Back in high school, I was an ill-tempered, prideful kid. And I remember my junior year, I... I was walking in a manner that was not worthy of the Lord. I thought I knew best. I was living a double life. My temper was a temper. And I did not heed instruction well. I was not teachable anymore. And I remember my dad just consistently spoke truth into me, consistently confronted me, consistently loved me well. And this was another one of those times he, he comes up and he, he confronted something and I didn't like it. And so I started getting all hot, yelling at him back and he goes, you know, I, I forget, I, I don't even remember what it was about. But I remember he goes, okay, fine. You know, like, Tony, th- this is truth and this is what I expect of you as a father. And I grab my motorcycle helmet, 
because I had a motorcycle in high school. And I grabbed my motorcycle home, I threw it on my head, and I started power walking outside. And he's standing there with a rake because he was working hard like he always does. And he's standing there, and I just power walk past him, all hot. And he goes, hey, Tony. I looked, I yelled, what? Just all angry because I was right. He looked at me and said, Tony, I love you, and I would die for you today. But I want you to know I hate the man you're choosing to be. My father was long-suffering. My father modeled what it looked like to have patient endurance. What it looked like to be sorrowful and yet fully loving. My father consistently taught me what it was to be a godly man. He consistently showed me in his love what truth was. And today, church, I can stand before you and say that I respect my father more than any other man on this earth. There have been men that have invested in me, and I appreciate all of that, but my father, he's on a different level because he's walked through life with me for a longer period of time. Now, when I look back on my life, I go, how in the world did my dad put up with me? Because I, I mean, anyone who's talked to me, I say, if I would have met my high school self, I would have just punched me in the throat and called it a day. Like, not worse, but effort. So let's return to Colossians. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with what, church? With all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. The power of discipleship is his energy. So often, like I open this sermon, we wouldn't consider ourselves having reached fullness or being full in knowledge or understanding or even capable. We feel inadequate or unable to do this discipleship thing. And yet we see Paul here say, his power. So wait. My excuse of saying culturally, well, I came from Thailand, so culturally we just see things differently therefore discipleship probably isn't going to work out with that individual you mean the excuse of saying well I just got busy or my life is too much to handle right now so I can't invest in discipleship or worse yet I I've, myself have even made the excuse well he's not engaging therefore this discipleship thing is just going to fizzle it got hard. I don't want to put in the time. He says his energy. You mean the God of the universe, the Savior of my life, the one who said he has given me everything that pertains to a life of godliness and that he will be with me till the end of the age. He said, engage in discipleship, and I'm, saying, and I'm making up excuses. Church, our excuses, our reasons are void because he said he's able and he lives within me. My father, if he functioned in his flesh, would have given up on me because I was a stubborn, bull-headed, hot-headed kid. 
but he chose to say, okay, Lord, teach me how to teach him. Give me the patience to love him well. And because our God is a faithful God, he came through, and he's been teaching me through the investment of men that love the Lord. He is faithful, and because he is faithful, he said he will sustain us and that he will be with us to the end of the age. So church, if, if you're struggling with discipleship or any of those things, understand that you have a God who's willing to work with you through this process. One, that he'll be faithful to teach you and complete his work in Christ, and, or complete his work in you until the day of Christ's return. And, and secondly, he'll sustain you as you invest in others spreading the gospel message. And church, I want to just do a quick little encouragement. Freshwater as a whole does discipleship very well. We have men and women's discipleship. We have one-on-one -on -one discipleship. We have uh, life groups where it's not about answering the questions, but it's about doing life group together, or life together, hence life group. So engage in these availabilities, and then like uh, JT said, there's a preaching symposium and the teaching symposium, which is not so much about being up here to teach. It's about learning how to correctly navigate God's word and communicate it concisely to people. Which if we're going to be going there and making disciples, that's, that's what it's about, right? Being able to speak God's word. Being able to interpret God's word and communicate that well. We've seen in this, this Colossians verse that, or these verses, that there's a lot of great principles for us to apply when it comes to engaging in discipleship relationships with one another. How to be spiritual fathers and mothers, or how to seek out spiritual fathers and mothers. And they're, they're uh, sorry, I lost my place. There we are. But church, more than seeing these as good principles, let's return to the verse that I read at the beginning, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, discipleship is not the great suggestion. It's a command. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Church, the United States is your nation. Springfield, Missouri is your people. Whether that's engaging in discipleship relationships here at church or going out to people who don't yet know the Lord and presenting the gospel to them and engaging in a discipleship relationship with them. It's a command from the maker of heaven and earth, from the savior of our life. And we need to see it as that. We need to function as a gospel-centered family and see ourselves in our identity as Christ, or identity in Christ. 
that we are his children and that we must submit to his authority not only as our Father but as our Savior King. Discipleship is about proclaiming Christ while pursuing wisdom to be presented mature in Christ, persevering with all of his power within us. The heart of discipleship is proclaiming Christ. The means of discipleship is teaching and warning with all wisdom. The goal of discipleship is to be presented mature in Christ. The cost of discipleship is toil and struggle. The power of discipleship is his power in us. And lastly, church, discipleship is a command. You would all just please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you for your word. Lord, I, I pray that these truths, uh, I pray that we would listen to them and that we would apply them to our lives as we engage. Lord, I thank you for your word and how it continually instructs and teaches us and warns us. I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity. And again, Lord, may you just be glorified through this process. In your name, amen.